Hey everyone, welcome back to the Double Click Podcast. This week in our series on marriage, we talk about your history, but we're talking about the history of your family. All right, so we're talking about family history. And here's what we mean by that. When we take a look at getting married, starting your new life with someone, the thing, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I think this particular topic is the number one thing that if you can talk through it in its different aspects, like it gets you ready. Because it is the number one, like, I feel like like the way your household ran when you were a kid, the experiences that your family had, the way you experienced family living together, it's an immediate application. Yeah. It's really the root of all your problems. I mean, it, if you think about it, because I mean, how you learn to do everything in life, you learn from your, your family. Right. And so you're taking what you know and trying to have a union with someone who learned from a family a different set of rules on how to play the game. Yep. And then you guys come together and go, okay, well, this is how my family did it. Well, this is how my family did exactly. it. Exactly. Let's build a family out of that. And so we're going to get we're gonna get really simple. And let me say this. If you are somebody you're listening and you're going... You know, based on your life situation, why well, I really don't have a family history. Mm-hmm. Like you were, you were in a situation where you were almost a loner growing up, or there was just a lot of distance there. Understand, you do have a family history. Yeah. You, you, because of that, you have a habit and expectation, a way that a family works together, communicates together, that you bring into the equation. And so, really simply today, we're just going to run down a list. And this is something I do with uh, people who are about to get married, newlyweds, that I walk through. And I ask them to walk through. So here's a good mental exercise. Um, you're driving to work. We're only two minutes in. I, we should we probably should lighten this up, right? Do you, do you have any mother-in-law jokes you'd like to say? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, good. Yeah, his mother-in-law's listening. That's why. Yeah. I'm just kidding. She's great. All right. Hey, Susan. I don't know if that's her <laughs> that's... name. It's not her name at all? No, not even close. All right, awesome. But we'll pretend Wonderful. that it is. Good. Now I've just gotten Justin in trouble. Which that would have been really bad if it like actually was her her name. If her name was Susan? If what? her name was Susan, because then it would have been like we were talking about her, and you... Or well, I guess maybe you just haven't maybe known her. We mentioned her. We mentioned her in the podcast. It's like a like a, a qualified cameo, right? Yeah. All right. Work. All right, sweet. Anyway, we're going to run down this list because whether you realize it or not, you have numerous, numerous expectations because of the way you have always lived or associated with or talked with your family. Mm. So as we run down this list, we're kind of going to go through questions that I normally ask, things that are helpful to talk through. And one of the ones that I ask right off the bat when I have a couple sitting in front of me and says, okay, help me understand this. Um, and, and I'm not asking this in a judgy way. I'm just asking this in an awareness way is like, hey, are both of your, your biological parents still together? Mm-hmm. Was there a divorce? Was there a high divorce rate? Is it, And this is one that, that that happens all the time is I'll ask that question and somebody will say, everybody's divorced multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I come into it with a very different question, but one that needs to be asked. So in your mind, what are your bailout options on this marriage? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think our first podcast in the series or one of the first was around commitment. Yep. And what does commitment look like? And again, the caveat of we understand there are different situations, there's different circumstances that that relationships split. But, I mean, I think in a lot of those instances, it comes down to our level of commitment yep. and, and what we what we are deciding to, to stick with versus, hey, this is not going well, I'm bailing. And, and whatever you've seen in your family history 
is what you're carrying in, whether you whether you believe it or not, into your your marriage commitment. And maybe that's a you have the opposite effect of, man, my parents been divorced and married multiple times. I'm yep. gonna I'm gonna be committed. Yeah, but absolutely. But it's still based off of what you've seen out of your family history. Yeah, and that's one thing I need to say right off the bat that like we all have to make peace with. There are good and bad things from our parents that we carry with us through life. And so there's this 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 kind of this double play adage on both sides. So there's some people that are like, I'm not going to be anything like my parents. I'm not doing right. it. And so they'll abandon some of the good things their parents have, no matter how difficult yeah. that situation might be. They'll abandon some of the good things. But then there are people who are almost overly unrealistically affectionate towards their parents. And they'll go, well, it was good enough for my daddy. It's good enough for me. Right. And all of a sudden, like what that does is that removes your litmus test for how you should behave off of scripture and go to experience, which is something you don't want it to be. And it's, and it's harmful both ways. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that that thought of scripture, God being our litmus test for how we should behave in our commitments, not not the success or failure of our family being what we strive for or, or strive to stay away from. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the things like I try to, um, especially if somebody has a historically negative relationship parentally and this comes into the parent game really, really quickly. Um, and it's just like, and, and a lot of times people talk to me like, no, we have no relationship. But then as we talk, I'll find a, a nugget. I'll be like, well, there was this one time that me and my mom, we went and da, 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 but that was it. Yeah. Well, then I'll tell them, I was like, well, that's a good you want to take. Like in your new family, you want to create those moments more and more and more. You don't want to have those moments once in a lifetime. You want to have them weekly, daily, yeah. whatever they are. And so, so understand as we go through this and as we look back, there are goods and bads. And being able to recognize those are important. And then there's also, and this is where we're going to get into the majority of this, there are also neutrals that you just hold on to because that's the way it was done in your household. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think going back to the topic of divorce, I mean, we, we're asking to assess and understand our family history, not that that's the arbiter or the decision maker. Because again, like we've already talked about, God's word, God's direction, that's where we make our decision yep. on commitment. That's where we define what commitment is. But we have to be aware of our histories because if we're if we're not aware of our histories and how they impact and affect us, we'll either repeat them or something will something maybe possibly unhealthy will come out of that. Yep. And so that's why we're saying as you enter into a union with your spouse, or maybe you're already in you're you know, you're married and maybe you've been married for years. Um, if there's friction or if there's, you know, if you're wondering how can we get closer, understand your histories, understand your, your family's view of divorce, understand your family's view of commitment. Again, not to necessarily define what that is for you, but to understand any struggles or successes you have with that and how that comes from your family, but then go, okay, God and his word is going to define what commitment is for me. And we're going to go forward from that point. Yeah, and 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 the next thing on the list after we talked about like what was the commitment level of your your family growing up. The next one we get to is as it gets a little heavier because I want to go ahead and get this one out there is family sin. Mm-hmm. Because one thing you see over and over again is where your family, your dad, your mom struggled with a particular sin. Like that's something that is a little bit more high risk to show up in your new family. Yeah, it really is because like if that was the that was what happened in the household. Um, and and there's been numerous times like if you get to the the adultery line, like I've seen over and over again that well well this, you know the dad was was unfaithful mm-hmm. and then 30 years later I'm talking and the son has the same thing mm-hmm. and it just seems to kind of be repetitive because 
that underlying family culture was there. It's the same thing with with, with abuse of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like that's one that you can see historically. Like it, when it when it's in place in a family from generation to generation, it keeps moving on. So that's something you need to be aware of. Yeah. And sitting down with your spouse and having that conversation, going, okay, let, let's give an objective look. What are we both bringing in that we need to help each other with? And that's where the beauty of a marriage comes in. Yeah, is you're getting to relearn and a fresh start. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I've seen in my own family, as far as family sins and struggles, you know, we were a family growing up that because the word family was in there, a lot of that was, hey, we're family though, so you got to get over it. You got to, you got to. was a trump card. Yeah. And it was, you, you bury it under the rug and you move on and act like it never happened. Um, However, in my family, what I've learned is that doesn't work. Meaning my wife and my children, uh, the hey let's let's bury it under the rug and forget about it. Eventually, that becomes a very lumpy rug that yeah. you keep tripping over. And so, uh, one of the things that I you know be, because of the Lord working in my life and conversations with my spouse and wanting to do things differently, you know the sin and struggles that I feel like are uh, are. Uh, hereditary, you know, that right. like they have yep. come from my family or that I've seen and, and I've learned um, whenever I find myself in those situations, um, there's, we're, we're quick to apologize in our, in our, in our nuclear family now, because uh, like, I mean, there's been multiple times I sat on the side of the bed with my son and gone, Hey, I messed up today, yeah. you know? And I, right. and that, that just didn't happen really growing up for me. It was just kind of a, Oh, this happened. Let's, let's just move on. And so, you can't you can't just translate and expect your your family now your spouse now to handle sin and struggle in this in in this in the same yep. way you know you you got to be able to talk about it again god is god is the the arbiter he's the he's the one that defines how we deal with these things not not our past so you you said something really interesting and before we dive into like what i would call the the long list of neutral things that cause conflict Meaning they're just the way thing like like it's what 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 cabinet the cups go in. That was one of our biggest arguments when we first got married. Right. Like I walked into the house and I'm like, no, they're by the fridge. But when you want a glass of milk, and she's like, no, they're by the sink. And so I always use that one because like we're newlyweds, ten days yeah. in, and we're like at each other about where the cups are going to go. Yeah. Right. And so we're going to move into that kind of stuff a little bit heavier. But you said something about like apologizing, mm-hmm. and so this is. This is a this is a sidebar litmus test. As you're sitting there and you're listening, I want to ask you a question, and you have five seconds to think of a specific answer, or you need to have a little bit of self revelation. Is when was the last time you genuinely apologized for something to your spouse? Mm-hmm. And time's up. Did you have it? Was yeah. it there? Yeah. Because here's the thing, I think I think that's something that most people, if I'm guessing correctly, you probably were like, da 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 oh yeah, there was that, right? And yeah. you threw it in there. Yeah. But I think for me, like I was sitting there thinking through that when you said apologize, I'm like, man, when's the last time like I apologized to somebody in my immediate family? And I can easily think of my kids. Yeah. Like my kids, it's one of those things that that was one of my markers as a parent. Like I'm not going to pretend to be perfect. Yeah. And so I apologize to them. When it comes to my spouse. It's like the pride issue comes in, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I wonder too, and and maybe maybe I'm just curious. If you're newly married, and you need to apologize, I think you have a more genuine apology. It's oh man, I've messed up. I've, I've only been married six months. When you've been married 
16 years, 60 years, you know, does the, do the apologies become more of, of a pacifier or I really just want to get out of this argument. Hey, I'm sorry. I messed up. You know what I mean? Like, are we, are There's, we genuine? I mean, I know this is kind of jumping off topic a little bit, well, but are we, do we lose the genuineness of our apologies and our brokenness for hurting and sinning against our family, our spouse? Because I feel like I've, if, I've, if I'm honest, honey, I'm sorry. If I'm honest, I feel like early on in our relationship, there was, they were more genuine. But as we, as we progress and as we spend more and more years together, it's kind of like a, Oh, I've upset her again. I'm, well, I'm sorry. You know? Well, I mean, that's where th- this is on the list. So this was I the last thing like I was going to talk about. Man, I should not have said that. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Jessica, he doesn't ever mean it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but th- that's the last thing I had on the list is like one of the things that you bring in to your culture as a family is how your family argued. Mm. And one of the times I see the most friction is when you have a family of, um, I don't know how to say this, but it was okay in your household to yell at each other. Yeah. Like you were loud arguers. Yeah. You were loud, you were passionate, you were emotional. And then I'm you not have yelling, I'm just talking. Right, you know? exactly. And then you have who marries somebody who comes from a family of we're gonna quietly talk about yes. this. Yep. And what you have is crazy disruption because yeah. one person thinks the other one's not emotionally invested and the other one thinks the other one's jumping off the deep end That's psychotic. Right. Right, and so knowing how your family's argued and understanding how we're going to craft this, and then here's what Justin just said: over time, as you grow as a couple, as you grow deeper in your relationship, you learn how to navigate arguments differently. So, mm-hmm. in a good way, you know how to have go from arguing to let's have a conversation of disagreements. Yeah. In a bad way, you know how when you're exhausted to get out of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I know that's one that's that's like. Because me and my wife, we have two completely different, what I would call discussion styles. Yeah, like blatantly different, culturally, household different. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it, and, and some of this, this is where like my broken personality comes into it, and I exhaust Brittany. Because right. for me, I'm like, if we're gonna get emotional and we're gonna argue, we are not wasting this, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, and so we will be five minutes into a conversation that's getting a little heated, and she's exhausted because she's used emotion all over the place. Yeah. And then neither one of us wants to apologize. And the other thing that I'll, I'll say this, one of the things that I feel like we've grown in, and this is, this is maybe just a, from somebody who's been married a little bit, I'm, I still consider myself, and you said a while ago, you feel like when we're newlyweds, we give ourselves permission to not know and be learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me just say this. We're all newlyweds. <laughs> yeah. The couple who's been married 70 years, yeah. we're still learning how to do this, and we're still learning new phases. So That's understand right. that you're still learning this. We know there's a lot of people out there who have been married way longer than us, Yeah. and we're not trying to pretend like we've got it all. But Again, the thing we're is, not experts. No, we're not. But the thing is, is, we're just trying to get you to stop and prayerfully think through mm-hmm. areas you can take. But I mean, when it comes to that that arguing aspect, like that's an area you need to understand the history you're bringing in with your family. Like, like how did they argue? Did they not argue? Was it a passive aggressive environment where everybody was just like, well, as long as I know, yeah, you know, type deal. And so that's something you need to be aware of when you bring into it, but you also need to be aware of your sinful manipulation of it. Mm. And that's tough, right? Yeah. Because you want to engage and love and genuinely care and connect and fix. You don't want to just, as you said, make a lumpy rug by let's just sweep it under the rug and we're family and it's good. Right? So as we're moving on, we've got some other topics. And and we've 
we might we have, we're, we're gonna try and fit this in. We're like 15 minutes in, and I've got like four four of the things written up That's there. Okay, we can go over. But we're gonna we're gonna motor through these. So so one big thing that is that, that is often a source of tension within marriage. One of the biggest ones is money. Mm. And what it comes down to is there's a little bit of how you personally handle money, but there's also a household. How do you handle money? Yep. You know, and and people do this very very differently. There are certain people that go like, okay. This is the money we have for bills. So this is the wife's money to do what she wants. This is the husband's money to do what they want. That's how we do it. There's times where one individual is like the household banker, mm-hmm. and the other person like has to ask. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing, especially when money's tight. Yeah. This is heightened. Yeah. And one of the things I always I always encourage couples to do is like go to the grocery store. Like seriously, on a date night, go to the grocery store with a blank piece of paper and write needs and wants draw a line down the middle of the page walk through the grocery store and each of you make a list <laughs> the snacks on mine are going to be out of this world i mean they're right. be full of snacks and wants so me, me and Brittany have this joke that like um we have beverage problems okay because both of us and i, I don't mean like alcoholic beverage i mean like i have to have coffee uh-huh or I like and, and it's and it's just straight black, nothing in it coffee. And so if I go to the grocery store, I'm gonna come home with three to four bags of coffee. Right. Because for me, that is a week's supply. Brittany likes what, what was it, LaCroix, these carbonated waters. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so she will go to the grocery store and she will come home with LaCroix. And it is it, we make this even funnier, is like my um mentality when shopping is like buy in bulk so you don't have to go back. Mm-hmm. Brittany says, get what you need for the day. So Brittany mm. will go three times that day to get LaCroix <laughs> because it's a need. Yeah. I will go once a month and buy all of the coffee in the right. world because it's a need. Right. But if Brittany texts me, if I say, hey, I'm going by the grocery store, do you need anything? She goes, yeah, get LaCroix. I will look at the shelf and LaCroix to me are crazy expensive. Okay. They're mm-hmm. like 50 cents a can. Right. For and water. For, for water, people. For water. With bubbles. And so I will end up at Lidl getting their like sparkling toilet bowl water for like 10 cents a can which i know she doesn't like but she can get by with because in my book it's not a need right Mm. and so that's one of those things and and then you put that across the spectrum and you can get into things like um you know um i've I've talked to couples where like football is the way that the husband relaxes, the wife doesn't understand that so why do we need this advanced cable package and so talking through a lot of those especially on the financial end what is a want and what is a need and one of the funnier ones, like for for me and Brittany, and I'll share this one just so that that people understand, is when it comes to us relaxing, it's a, it's a little bit of a source of tension because we're so different. Yeah. So, and and we we actually were were talking um or at a conference and somebody was talking about like understanding the way you relax, and they made this statement and it was just totally eye opening. They say, some people when you get home, it is time to turn off, relax. So when you get home, you want to sit down, you don't want to do anything, you just want to shut it off. She said, some of you, when you get home, it's finally time to do what you want to do. Mm. So you set everything down, and then you you start projects. You do other things. And that was an immediate revelation because Brittany wants to do stuff, and I want to do nothing. Mm. So then you amplify, amplify, amplify excuse me, that out to vacation, right, which is it's an expense. It's a way you spend money. Brittany wants to go have experiences. Mm. She wants to go somewhere, do stuff, and have lots of fun doing things. I want to do nothing. I want to do less than nothing. I don't. I, I don't even want to have to prepare. You, you just want to disappear. Like, like you want to like, be so still that you just. Foop. 
Like the idea of packing to go to the beach for a week is like exhausting to yeah. me. It's like, why are we even going if I'm yeah. going to have to do this? That, right? That's your experience. It packing. is my experience. Absolutely. And so us realizing that and trying to find that balance was huge because family culture, that's the difference in the way our families vacationed. Yeah. And I think too, we need to, I mean, even stepping back further than that, kind of define for, you know, making sure that we each know our definition and our relationship with money. Yeah. Because some people grow up without any and nope. some people grow up with a lot and it's an abundance. And, uh, and that doesn't mean that, that there's, there's textbook definitions of how you react because some people who have a lot of money go, we have a lot of money because we're very frugal yes. and we're not going to nope. spend. And some people who, who have no money, anytime they get a dollar in their hand, they spend it. Yep. So I'm not saying just because you don't have, it means you're going to be tight with it. And because you have a lot, you're going to be lavish with it. But understanding your history, your family's spending history, how they dealt with money all that defines how you are bringing in your relationship to money within your relationship to your spouse. And I think if you if you take a few moments to step back and analyze that, yep. then you'll begin to understand some of the tension points like you just outlined Absolutely. with needs and wants uh, because of your own personal relationship to money. Yeah, and I think quickly off of that, we can jump to the next one, which is like the household duties and chores. Um, so like one of the, one of the funniest ones to me, like, and this was my parents and I didn't know this until I was about 20, but my mom despised ironing. Right. And so one of the things she told my dad, like, I mean, she would like, if she needed to iron a shirt and all that, just something she didn't enjoy. And so she legitimately told my dad when they got married, I will not iron your clothes. And so my entire childhood on Sunday afternoons, my dad being an Eagle Scout and very, very organized would have all of his stuff for the week laid out. And he I remember we would watch football while my dad was ironing. <laughs> and I thought for 20 years it was just because my dad was crazy particular. Yeah. Right? But then I learned it was like it was one of those pre healthy pre-conversations they had about like, hey, this is going to be a stressor, so let's just understand I'm not going to do this. But doing that with all of the household chores is a good thing to talk through to understand yeah. like, hey, whose responsibility is what? Yep. You know, because inevitably somebody's going to go to the kitchen <laughs> Those right? dishes have been sitting there Those for a while. Those dishes have been sitting there for a while. <laughs> and there's this expectation that they're supposed to do it. They have the expectation yeah. you're supposed to yeah. do it. And all of a sudden, you have an argument because you didn't talk about it beforehand, right? Yeah. And so I think chores is definitely one of those areas you can pre, pre-talk pre through. Another one is, is is and this was one that, that, that I think I've started to realize more, is how much time are you going to spend together and win as a married couple? Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by that. There, people come into it with, into marriage with different expectations. Like, like, is there the expectation that every night you and your family are going to be home in the living room at the table spending time together? Or are you going to be out doing something? Or are you all going to be doing your own thing? Right. And that goes through different phases, and there's different expectations. As you have kids, as they grow up, as both of you grow as a couple, even without the children factor. Yeah understanding the expectation of time. You know, are you going to have a, are you going to do your thing throughout the week? Are you going to have a date night? Yep. And the, and all of those things, you can come into it with this expectation and it just get blown up. And especially on some of those quieter expectations, like the time factor, mm-hmm. like you've got to understand those things can get under the rug and make a lump. Yeah. Yeah. That spills out over time. Well, going and going back to time dependence and what are you guys going to do as a family? You know, I grew up, uh, every week going to grandparents' houses, all cousins, everybody was there. We shared a meal. Like every, every Sunday, like every big week. big family. Yeah, that, that happened. Uh, my wife, she grew up, and it was different. She had family 
all over different states, different places. So they just did more things with just their little small family. And so it wasn't this big family thing. And so kind of to your point and bringing in, in our time dependence and how our family shaped that, some families, you well, we have to be together. We have to, we have to do things together. Others are, well, we can kind of go and do our own thing. And so I think as you come into your family and your relationship yep. with your spouse, it's a, you need to define, do we have to, do we have to spend all of our time together? When are we going to spend time for ourselves and apart? Yep. And all that is shaped based on how important that time with, with family and one another was, you know, pre your pre-marriage and your family history, that's all going to play a part in your marriage and, and this kind of new defining uh, of what time dependence would be with you and your spouse in your marriage currently. And so another piece of that is, I think, understanding that you each need your own time to do your own thing. Right. You know, because my wife is a quality time. That's one of her love languages. Yep. And I have to be intentional to make sure that we're spending quality time because I can go off and just go to a room by myself and unplug and not be around people and just need that moment just to kind of be by myself. But she needs me to be with her and us to be spending quality time together. So understanding that balance of give and take. Absolutely. And you, and you touched on this one a little bit, which was the last thing that also equates to what is your extended family relationship like? And this is what was funny for me, Brittany. So Brittany grew up on like family land. So like, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, grandma and grandpa all lived on the same land. Yeah. And they had, which was like when we were when we were dating, I would witness this and it would throw me off. They had like this open door policy. Like there was no knocking. You just walk in <laughs> like, hey, what's up? If there's food on the table, you just grab it at whoever's yeah. house. Yeah. Open fridge. Like those were the rules. And that wasn't my culture growing up. I grew up and we were like, you travel four hours to get to family, yeah. right? Yep. And so... There was this this really really good awareness and good conversation we had early on about putting me on their family land probably was going to be destructive just because I did not I didn't emotionally know how to handle it right and and if and that's the same situation that we have on in our family and knowing from my side of the family if you didn't know how to assimilate to that culture of walk yeah. right in grab something yep. off the table that's offensive oh for those people like who, you're, that's you're, that's you're how they my do territory. it yeah yeah and so it's a it's kind of a if you can't come in and be comfortable here, then that's kind of offensive. So that was that was wise of you to. Well, I mean, there was there was actually an opportunity like we had to move on to that land. Um, and I remember having a conversation with Brittany, and I just told her I was like, "Look, I know long term that might be something we can do." I said, "But especially with my quality time variable, with the age my kids are at, like for the next ten years, I'm not there yet. Like I will put, I will unintentionally." put friction between us because they're going to come to our door and it's going to be locked and bolted with a go away <laughs> sign on it. Yeah. Or it's going to be open and they're going to come in and I'm going to stress out because I'm not getting my quality time. Right. 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 So we went a little bit long today. We do want to encourage you take some time, sit down with your spouse, go back. If you need to make a list of these things and just talk through them, if there's something you haven't talked through or you're in a new phase of life and it's changed, like rehab some of these conversations to understand what each of you is bringing in on the family history side and what expect, expectations that's created. We hope this encouraged you. We hope to help you grow in your walk with God. And once again, if you want to reach out to us, it's Matt at richfork.com or Justin at richfork.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.